Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. From Decrypt Media, this is the Decrypt Daily, and my name is Matthew Diemer. Today on the show, we talk DeFi with Cream Finance. Michael Saylor might be going crazy. And cryptocurrencies at the G7. That's coming up today on the Decrypt Daily. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the show. Today is Tuesday, June 15th, 2021. Remember yesterday I asked about Bitcoin and Bitcoin maxis and what you guys think about Bitcoin being the dominant of all cryptocurrencies and there's no other cryptocurrency but Bitcoin? Well, I had a couple responses. The first response said Bitcoin is basically the Netscape of browsers. Apparently, there will be better ones to come. And I got an email and it said, why I hold Bitcoin as an inflation hedge. Bitcoin doesn't support smart contracts, nor is the best cryptocurrency to use to accept payments. I think it's here to stay and it will rise in value over time. But like many others, I see Ethereum taking over the position in the market. Wow. That would be a huge, huge, huge event if Ethereum flips Bitcoin. I think that it's not going to happen, but we will see it over time, won't we? I never thought that Binance Coin would be in the top 10, actually top 5 or the number 3 right now. I never thought Cardano would be about a buck 50. So, <laughs> you know, a lot of things can happen. Anyway, for more proof that there are different projects on blockchain and they actually are pretty interesting, that's why we're talking to Cream today, a DeFi project. But before we get into that, let's get into those crypto prices. Here comes the money. Here we go. Money talk. And I'm recording this at 11.25 Eastern Standard Time, Bitcoin. $39,950, down 1.8% in 24. Ethereum, $2,550, down 0.3%. Tether's in the number three spot. Binance is at 366, down 1.8%. Cardano's number five at $1.56, down 1%. Rounding off the top 10, we have Dogecoin, XRP, USDC, Polkadot, and Uniswap. Total market cap, we're at $1.71 trillion. I said that right, right? $1.71 trillion. Yep. And a BTC dominance of 43.7%. Moving into our conversation today, we're talking to Leo Chiang, the co-founder of Cream Finance. Good, good. Thanks for having me. 100%. Look, we're talking about DeFi. We're talking about Cream, your company. You are the co-founder. And first, I want to understand a little bit about Cream and DeFi. Tell me, what is going on? What is it? Uh, So not a company, but a decentralized lending protocol. Uh, So we enable individuals and institutions to access financial services, uh, starting with the lending side mostly, because we at Cream, we're part of the Yearn ecosystem focusing on the lending product, um, permissionless, blockchain agnostic. So uh, we deployed on Ethereum, Binance Smart Chain and Phantom so far. Excellent. Excellent. You know, we were just talking a little bit before we started rolling here and we're talking about how to use DeFi. You know, and I've been talking on this podcast quite a bit about, you know, just giving the tools uh, to the average person to be able to leverage any kind of capital that they have to take out loans against that, to build businesses, get education, to do, I don't know, remodeling on their house. Is this what we're talking about? Is this what you're building or is there more to it or, or less to that? Uh, I think very simply, that is what we're doing to begin with. Uh, basic what they call money Legos, right? Building blocks. So starting with uh, with the lending market, 
Um, and I get into this conversation a lot. My friends are like, hey, man, I just bought some Ethereum. I just bought some Bitcoin. Uh, what can I do with it now? It's like, well, you could keep it really safe wherever you keep it. Or you could like deposit into a lending protocol like ours and you can start earning some roughly what's equivalent to a savings account interest. And that's the very basic thing you could do. But there's certainly more you can do with that. So there's the lending and the borrowing side. So the lending side, you put your, uh, your Ethereum in there and then you earn interest. What kind of interest are you earning then? Uh, so on our bank, last I checked, it's about 4% per annum and it's earned on uh, on the Ethereum itself. So for one Ethereum, if it stays the same, it's a dynamic rate every 15 seconds it updates. But let's say it's constant on 4%, then that means you can put one Ether in at the end of the year, you'd get uh, 1.04 Ether when you withdraw like less the mining fees, et cetera, of course. W- wonderful. And on the borrowing side, what, what are people coming in and, and borrowing uh, or against or what are they using that money for? Would you know? Yeah. So on the borrow side, there are opportunities. Uh, sometimes I think uh, long, short strategy. So like, let's say like right now, some people think that the market's going back up or we're breaking some resistance. So what you might do is leverage, right? So let's say I have one ether and I wanted to 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 kind of uh, borrow some money based on that as collateral. I can put my one ether down and I can borrow roughly, you know, 0.5, 0.6 times the borrowing power of the ether. I can take that USDC or stablecoin out. I borrow and I end up with like, say, one and a half ether. Uh, and then I can use, I can leverage up from owning one ether to one and a half ether, be exposed to one and a half ether type of price movement, and uh, while using borrowed USDT money, but uh, USDT USDC stablecoin. But certainly, people should be very careful when they do that because you can get liquidated. So you're basically you're talking about you're borrowing against your ether to buy more ether. You could do that, or the other side works as well. Some people say, hey, look, I think the market's going down. I'm going to deposit you know, call it $10,000 in stable coins. And then I borrow out Ether or Bitcoin or any other tokens that we offer. And you could sell the token for, for the stable coins and deposit back and borrow more to short the other way. That also works. But besides that, sometimes people don't, not necessarily long short, but they're also borrowing to do other things like yield farming. So you might say, well, I have some Ether. I want to get additional yield. So I take my Ether, I put it in an account. I borrow some some stable coins. I might stick it in a yearn vault. Uh, for example, the USDC yearn vault's earning like eight uh, percent or so, or the the uh, the curve USDP vault's earning about twenty percent. So if your borrowing cost is like ten percent and you loan out at twenty percent, you just get yourself another ten percent juice on that. So you could, but again, there are risk involved, and there's kind of de- deploying depending on your risk appetite. You could do different things. Of course, and this is not training advice or financial advice on this show. This is basically just telling everybody what is going on. And I want to know what's going on with Layer 2 Solutions. You say that they're very important to DeFi. First of all, yep. what's the problem and why is Layer Layer 2 a solution? Yeah, so um, I, I think we've seen that uh, initially when, when when we first got into to, to DeFi, uh, Matthew, you and I, um, I, I think it's fairly simple, easy to say. Like my aha moment was like, look, I sent some Ether and it was like 10 cents, you know, kind of back in the day sort of. And uh, back in my day, gas was under a dollar. It's like a similar thing, right? (laughs) (laughs) But now it's like, it got to a point where it was like 50, $100 on super high time. And now recently it's come back down. So transactions could be like four or, you know, 40 bucks or so. And, but that's still a problem for new people coming in. I I want people to be able to come into a chain and say, look, I, I have like, call it 500 bucks and I want to play around. I want to get to know the system because I can't expect everybody coming in to be slinging large chunks of cash. And in today's Ethereum uh, situation, it's congested. Uh, Sometimes transactions take a long time to complete or it's expensive to do the transaction. Of course, the more you pay, the faster you complete, but you're trying to optimize that, like paying the least possible for the benefit you're getting. Uh, And what layer two does is actually helps scale the scale, the, the, the system out uh, effectively making it cheaper and faster for users. Great. And so what's up with the, this Arbitrum? Is that how you pronounce it? Arbitrum. Integration? 
Yeah. Yeah. So, so we've been deploying um, outside of Ethereum. We've deployed on Binance Smart Chain. We've deployed on Phantom. Uh, both of these chains uh, are EVM compatible, meaning that that people can take the, the the code that they developed on Ethereum that runs on Ethereum virtual machine using Solidity or Viper, and then deploy that onto these chains. Um, that's all good because some people are going there because uh, the gas is cheaper. You can still experience DeFi, but Arbitrum is important because this is the first time ever that that the security is actually anchored to layer one Ethereum main chain. Uh, because if you go to any of the other chains, um, the consensus mechanism or, or the way the security is done is on those other systems. Um, you know, it, it's uh, some people may argue they're better, they're worse, or whatever, but. Uh, specifically Arbitrum, the way the reason why we're excited about it is not only can we also give another set of our users who want to stay on Ethereum a faster and cheaper experience, you're leveraging the same security and decentralization benefit of the existing Ethereum network uh, without paying as much or waiting as long. So why is everybody messing with Ethereum still? I mean, buying smart chain is obviously a pretty, pretty fast and nimble and integrated with uh, almost everything right now. Why still Ethereum? Yeah, so a lot of people think that uh, Binance Smart Chain isn't uh, decentralized. That's one common knock against it. Now, is it not um, decentralized? It, arguably, you could say it's less decentralized than than Ethereum because the way their consensus mechanism work is uh, this DPoS system, which has 21 validators, whereas Ethereum's got like thousands of validators. Or, or well, not not right now validators. When it goes to ETH2, there'll be tens of thousands of validators. But uh, right now, it, it's proof of work. And and uh, but that said, uh, Cream, we do run a Binance Smart Chain validator node. We're one of the 21 validators. So. To, to the people out there that say, hey, you know, CZ control all 21 nodes, I can today tell you at least not our node. <laughs> gotcha. <laughs> hey, I, I also want to really touch on really quick before we, we pop off, and thank you very much for talking about DeFi, your uh, your uh, project and uh, Layer 2 Solutions. But, you know, what, what's in the news these days is, uh, at least in the over here in the U.S., um, is this whole uh, tax re release that everybody that political got uh, the tax releases or tax uh, filings of you know some of the richest people in america jeff bezos elon musk and so on and so forth and they're paying near zero tax and the way that they found that they're paying zero taxes basically borrowing against their assets they have a lot of yeah. assets a bank comes in and says hey we'll give you um you know money ba uh, ba based off of how much money or assets you have at a very low rate and so they're not paying taxes on uh, taxes because they're getting their living expenses off these loans that they're taking and right. also it be, it being able to um, deduct the interest that they're paying on those loans. So basically they're paying no taxes or maybe even getting like Jeff Bezos did, got $4,000 back from the government in one year. Is this, is DeFi creating opportunities for just the average person to do that same thing, to do that, to leverage their assets and take loans against their assets to have the same, I guess, opportunity and tools that the super wealthy do? Yes, Definitively, yes. Uh, some people call it, I, I actually like the earlier term people use OpenFi because it's open as in anybody can access it. Anybody with the internet access, uh, there's no need to go into a bank, write this application. Oh, the bank's closed today. I, I can't operate there. No, you, you, go into the, you go into your smart contract, you do your thing. And the smart contract doesn't care the color of your skin, you know, what religious organization you belong to or whatever kind of protected category that people might violate. Um, you know, I think we're not here to talk about kind of unseen biases in society, but what's true here is that on Ethereum, even if I wanted to discriminate against you, I cannot. Uh, and the same kind of like $40,000 collateral that someone who only has 40000 puts down and says, 
this is all in. I'm down on my awesome business idea versus somebody that has 300 million bucks that puts down a $40,000 uh, uh, collateral. They're getting treated the same way, the same deal terms, the same processing time, the cost of origination is the same. Uh, you get, and you get liquidated just as fast if you, if you screw up on that loan. So it does level the playing field. And yeah, today, if somebody that's like not at that level of Jeff Bezos who says, you know, I, I, I worked hard in the crypto space, I, I earned some money. And now, for example, you could come to Cream and say, I'm going to put my tokens into into a loan and then I can leverage that position, you know, for use in the same way. I, I love that. And, you know, it's, I, I think that one of the, another barrier that we have is you said that there's all kinds of different biases that might people people might have is like it's just economic barriers. And like you said, the forty thousand yeah. dollars is the same way, depending on what t- part of town you live in, what kind of job you have, what kind of house you live in. The bank's looking at you differently than somebody that has a, a much more expensive house or you're a doctor or a lawyer. And I yeah. love that, that everything's even because it's you're looking at the collateral, the amount yes. of assets that you're putting into the system, then looking at the person who's doing it and you're going to get liquidated. Basically, it's just saying, this is your responsibility. This is your risk. We're going to treat everybody the same. Don't mess up or we're taking your crap. Right. Yeah. And you don't, you know, it's like the, the fact that anybody can go and use this stuff is amazing. So it goes beyond borders. Right. So like uh, you imagine somebody in a third world country who's like uh, it's, the whole banking and banking is interesting. Uh, some say it's not as applicable, but I think it's generally true. Like you have an Internet connection, you have some digital assets, you can you can get to work and start using this sort of thing. And you don't have to be in any country. Uh, you may not even have to speak a certain language. Love this. Leo Chung, co-founder of Cream. Thanks for coming on this show and talking about DeFi, Cream, Layer 2 Solutions and what I think is a pretty cool use case. Definitely. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Moving into today's headlines, the CEO of MicroStrategy, Michael Saylor, seriously might be losing his mind, seriously might have a Bitcoin addiction, and seriously might need an intervention. As we all know, they own a lot of Bitcoin, 92,079 Bitcoin to be exact, or $3.7 billion. Just the other day, they sold $500 million in corporate debt to buy more Bitcoin. And well, now they're saying they're going to buy a billion dollars more on top of that by selling their class A common stock. My question to you is, when do you have enough Bitcoin? When have you stacked enough sets? Michael Saylor, apparently, he's just going full on in on Bitcoin. A half a billion dollars today, a billion dollars tomorrow. And who knows, maybe he sells everything he owns, even the shirt on his back, and he's living in a van down by the river, all in on Bitcoin. All I can say is if you're a Michael Saylor's family, maybe you want to have an intervention. Or maybe we should all be doing the same. Not financial advice, obviously. The SEC has pushed back decisions on Cryptoin's Bitcoin Exchange Traded Fund, or ETF, filing to July 27th. In a nutshell, they want to take a look at the proposed rule. They want to have sufficient time to consider the proposed rule and the comments that it received on the ETF. So we're going to be waiting until July 27th. As of note, no Bitcoin ETF has made it through the SEC and has been approved. So will this one be approved? I don't know. Anthony Scaramucci, the mooch of Skybridge Capital, thinks that we're going to have an ETF by the end of the year. I hope so. He has confidence that Gary Gensler will push it through. I am skeptical. But I mean, how many times can you just you know swat away these ETF proposals? Sooner or later, one's going to stick. But is it this year? And is it this one on July 27th? And finally... The G7 leaders are formalizing their commitment to fight against ransomware. And you know, ransomware is a malicious software capable of freezing a network until a ransom is paid. Basically, they hold all your data or your computers or your servers for ransom until you pay the money. Chain analysis estimates that ransomware attacks grew 311% last year, and it expects the numbers to rise as new crimes are discovered retroactively. 
Thank you for listening to this episode of the Decrypt Daily. My name is Matthew Diemer. Don't forget to go to Apple Podcasts, like, subscribe, share, and leave us a comment. You can send me an email, MatthewAaron at Decrypt.co, as well as go to Diemer for Congress, D-I-E-M-E-R for Congress.com, and contribute to the campaign. Until tomorrow, happy hodling, everyone.